Dude, I don't know if you got a lot to talk about. I got so much to talk about, but I've got I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Most of it I don't want to talk about because it's stuff that I don't understand. <clears throat> and uh, I feel like if I did talk about it, it would be really hard to articulate properly. So one thing that I've noticed going back and listening to some of the podcasts is a lot of times I agree with what I say. Like when, we, when I listen oh, yeah. back and I'm like, yeah, like I said that just the right way. But then there's some times where I wish I could jump in and clarify what I said. Yeah. Because I don't want people to get the wrong impression. You know what we could do at some point when we have enough material is we can, if there's things that we don't want to let stand the way they uh-huh. happened, yeah, we yeah. could do an episode where we take some clips. Yeah, take some clips and then yeah. respond to but it. But I, I, I think I decided I don't want it to be where I start off the next podcast apologizing or clarifying <laughs> what I said last time. What I, actually, what I would more prefer is if there are any listeners out there uh-huh. that like something I said or something that you said they don't agree with or they're like, wait a second, what, what do they mean by that? That they would like engage, like ask the questions and, uh, and connect with us over that. That yeah. way it's not just me trying to assume what everybody's Yeah, thinking. because that's, that's all this is. Like this isn't, we don't have some sort of platform where we are uh, establishing any sort of, uh, I don't know, Establishing any sort of like what we say is what we believe because what we believe is how things are in reality, but it's really just a take on what we think about the way things are. It's and there's no, of, there's no, I don't know. There's, it's a snapshot of where we are right now, right? Like as much as I've experienced up to this point, this is what I'm thinking. And yeah. I'm going to try my hardest to communicate it the best way I can. Um, but I feel so much more comfortable in conversation where somebody can say, wait a second, or I can see their face when I say something. And if there's like a little twinge in their eye, I'm like, oh, I think I might need to double back and clarify what I said. Yeah. But this yeah. is a little difficult because you just kind yeah, of put you it don't out know. there. Yeah, yeah. And it's not until, you know, going back and listening, saying, okay, I think I said that in just the right way. So yeah. I... I I think I get what you're saying when you're not ready to process something or you're not quite sure, like, the conclusion, how I want to say it. Sometimes it could come off differently than where you might land a week or a month or a year from now. Yeah, it, exactly, because there's things, you know, when Facebook memories come up and it's <laughs> I like... Love them. I, love. <laughs> I I was looking at something today and um, it was a picture of my, of my little sister with a Giants, with a New York Giants hoodie on. And, uh, and my caption was, you know, my sister's only three and she already knows who's the best team. I was like, <laughs> ew. Why did I say that? I don't care about who's the, I don't care about football even. Yeah, right. uh-huh. why but at I, that point, why would I it say that? kind of meant something to you, I guess. No, that. at that time, I thought, I thought it was relevant. I uh-huh. thought I was cool. Yeah. I thought that, uh, you know, it was le- legitimate. You were giving high fives as you were typing. Look what I'm about to post. I'm about to kill him. Uh, uh, yeah, but yeah, so that just goes to show, you know, on a small scale level that uh, how 
what my opinions are today and how I feel about something today. It might not be that way tomorrow. And here's the thing. I, I Here's the thing. I'm an idiot. Like, <laughs> I, I won't call you an idiot because that's rude. No, but I'll, I will call myself it. an idiot when you think of it. And I don't mean that in a malicious way that I'm an idiot. Yeah. I mean that in the way of, like, the amount of information that we do not know about everything. And perhaps that will ever know is exponentially exponentially larger than the amount of information we do know. If we think about what we do know, Mm -hmm. the things that we do know about ourselves, about the the world, about the universe, about everything, the amount of information that we know has to be Mm -hmm. somewhere it's a dot. It's a less than a dot. Compared to what it is. the vast amount of information of what yeah. exactly everything is and, and what everything is compromised of and how it came to be and all of that stuff. And then you add in emotion, right? And so then you have all the things you know, but then you have these feelings that cloud, that distract, that highlight certain things over others and... Um, I think that can really complicate and muddy up even yeah. the things that we know. Like I could say, man, I know that Dante's my friend, right? I know that. But what if you were really busy one day, you, you were in passing, you said something a little bit like came short, off it came off short. I'm like, whoa, 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 what, what happened? The emotions kick in and then what I know and how I feel, they clash and... Um, yeah. Like this... That can be really complicated. Yeah, the, the feelings of like what we know or think we know combined with the emotion yeah. uh, to either, to either complement or, or supplement what we don't know mm-hmm. or not. Like this cupcake, this cupcake had Dante's a, eating a cupcake, by the way. <laughs> This cupcake uh, had a creator. Someone created it. Someone baked it. And I can look at it and taste it and eat it and um, not know exactly the process of which it came to be. Like, I don't know if this was my first time ever seeing, touching, and eating a cupcake. I wouldn't necessarily know that flour, egg, butter, and sugar was used as the, the, the fundamental ingredients to build upon. I wouldn't know that. I would have no idea. But the person that baked this cupcake could reveal that to me, and then I could know, mm-hmm. right? That's still, uh, I have no bearing or no control over when that happens. If whoever baked this chooses to inform me of that, all I can do is go off of like what's in front of me, what's tangible, and what I can interact with. And in that same way, I think about uh, how much we do not know uh, about God and about how he did everything like one of the things that I wanted to talk about that I wasn't sure I wanted to talk about was like people always drawing up this combative you know um, thinking that religion and science contradict each other when however this cupcake came to be you can say that uh, the baker spoke it into existence which means they could have said I'm gonna make a cupcake and then the actual physical process of how it happened was chemistry, was science. 
So to say that God spoke things into existence, yes, that doesn't contradict the fact that he used science in the process of how it came to be. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we can even begin to try to rationalize us understanding how something came to be, that this infinitely omnipotent being created in such a way, you know, I, I think it's comical that we think we could even begin to draw any sort of definitive uh, answer as to how things came to be enough to say that science and God don't go together when I think, in my opinion, and again, I'm an idiot, but I think God is the first mm-hmm. and the most amazing scientist ever. He created science. So, yeah, I just find that irritating when like people think that they can def- definitively say something like, you know, well, evolution disproves God right. or the existence of God. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. The, the place where I start in that conversation is probably very similar to you is what did my parents teach me growing up? And I think that's where most of our listeners, people listening out there, would start the conversation too. Were your parents church people? Did they read from the Bible or the Quran? Were they connected to a, um, a religious background that was the foundation for the worldview that they imparted to you? So as we grow older, we then have to either get to the point where we say, I agree with what my parents taught me. Or I disagree with what my parents taught me. Yeah. So for me, growing up in a family that went to church every, every week, my dad was the piano player in church, and we went to a church that taught a seven-day creation, just like Genesis, uh, the story in Genesis lays out, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, let there be light. That, that narrative, a, there was morning and there was evening and then there was the first day. I was taught that. Then I go to a Bible college because I wanted to get into ministry and they reinforced that seven-day creation saying it's a literal retelling of what happened. And then I have friends that ask me tough questions that I don't have the answers to, right? So why are there fossils that date differently than the, you know, 10,000-year-old earth that the seven-day creationists tend to uh, point to? And I I don't have the answers to combine the two. So it sounds to me like... There, there needs to be some point where you say one way of thinking is right and the other way of thinking is wrong. Sometimes I feel really paralyzed in making, in, in drawing conclusions about yeah. that. Yeah. Now, I think there are people who believe in God and believe in uh, 
the old earth, millions and billions, you know, the universe being so old. And that's, they combine that in their, their view of God and, and history. And that doesn't jeopardize their belief in the inerrancy of the Bible or, uh, but they've, they've found a way to take those two stories and make sense out of them. Um, so I, I think where we, where we'd need to start is, I, I don't know about you, but where, where did it start for you? Did your, did your family teach you from the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth seven days? Um, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, it was as if, it was as if you were, you were taking what was written in Genesis, Genesis literal, Yeah. which some people do, which I think that I do not take uh, obviously everything literal, literal because that's obviously you'll run into some problems because not everything, not only was everything either literal or not literal, depending on your interpretation, but also given the context of which things were written or the time in which things were written and how that applies to us today. The thing is, I think that um, those, those thoughts of, uh, whether it's thoughts of doubt or questioning, I think are good because I think that those are like the really foundational elements of what our faith is built off of because that then, um, that then puts us in the mode where we are seeking and I think that that is good. And I have people that I respect, spiritual mentors of mine who believe firmly in a seven-day creation and their interpretation of different scriptural passages uh, is like great in, in some areas. And I have some people that I, that I respect who believe in you know, that combination of uh, the old millions, billions of years old um, creation and still believe uh, that the Bible is the foundation for truth. Right. So. And the thing, the thing that I think you might run into problems with is trying to uh, wrap the limitations and the constraints on the concept of time that we have onto God. Like, time is relative. He exists outside of time, so... Is a day 24 hours? Right. And we all, if no. you're familiar with scripture, you're probably familiar with the verse that says a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a, a day to the Lord. And so, yeah, that kind of flips time yeah. on its head. But as it relates to us, it's, it's really hard to say definitively what, what it looked like and what yeah. it, how it happened and how, how it played out. And I, I re- respect people who say, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. Because then when they get to the point where they are saying something confidently, like, I know this, I'm much more inclined to believe them in that. If I've heard them say, I don't know in other things. But if they're confident in everything, then I'm just like, I can't relate to that. I can't relate to that because there are a lot of things I don't know and I don't get. Exactly, yeah. And that's, that's what I've been, as I get older, I realize the dumber I am. The, the older I, the more, the more I learn and the more I know, I realize how much I don't know. And, uh, but like I said, you know, I don't think that we have to look at doubt and we don't have to look at questions that we're asking as things to collapse 
uh, our faith and our thoughts and ideas of who we think um, who we think God is. But I think rather that those things are are good because it it, it drives us to to seek out and to to seek out those answers. And also, um, you know, going back to what we were saying earlier, just about like what I was saying about the amount of information that we don't know. I think it's the same. It's the same idea that that is also good because you know it gives you something to seek after. It gives you something to pursue, and as you're trying to understand uh, more about God and asking Him to reveal more of Himself and asking Him to sh- to show Himself in different ways and different um, things that we do in life and people that we meet. Um, the fact that there is so much that we don't know and perhaps we'll never know doesn't rattle or shake me, but instead it causes me to think about now, that's the head knowledge of what I know and don't know, right? But then when you were saying about combined with what our feelings are, I get this feeling when I hear or when I read God's word that says he knows plans that he has for me or like how he knew me before I was even created, how before I was knit together in my mother's womb and how I was fearfully and wonderfully made and that I'm his masterpiece. When I hear and read things like that, it evokes feelings within me that transcends the knowledge of what I don't, do know or don't know. It, 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 it supersedes all of that. And all of a sudden I feel this energy that sort of really defines who I am and, and who I feel I am. As I, as I go about what I do uh, when I'm at work, at my job, or when I'm home with my family, what kind of person I'm going to be, those yeah. feelings in me evoke all sorts of things that I think make this experience beautiful, hmm. um, as opposed to feeling like a, you know, an aimless thing that doesn't know Yeah, much. and I love that how you said it, because you tied it back to the person of God and getting to know him as he's getting to know you. It's vi- that was like the way you said it was really relational and intimate and personal, yeah. right? It wasn't just I'm looking to figure out all the facts. It was he knew me and he created me. It was this masterpiece creation and I'm getting to know him and I'm discovering new things and things that I thought I knew about him. It's actually deeper than I even, you know, realized in the first place. And I think about even a relationship that I have with, you know, with Julie, my wife. So I know her, but I felt like I knew her when we were 16 and we were just, you know, we just met. And I'm like, yeah, I know this girl, Julie. And then we started dating, and I was like, yeah, I, I know this, this girl. We're like, we're really getting serious. And then we got engaged, and then we got married, and then I knew her, right? And then we lived together for five years, and then I knew her even more. And, and it's not like the person I knew before wasn't her. It's just this ever-increasing journey of me finding out her intricacies and what what she loves and what gets her upset and what you know makes her smile and um, that that discovery process doesn't mean I didn't know her or that I was wrong about her necessarily man I, I that could be argued but it's that I I am continually getting to know her. 
more and more. And that process is, is a good process. Like that, that pursuit of her, and I would equate that a lot to our relationship with God, that I know him, and then I get to know him more, and then I get to see myself through his eyes differently, so I'm getting to know me more, and it's like things that I originally thought were true about him, man, I realized it was a lot deeper than I first, you know, imagined. And it wasn't just what other people were telling me about him, but it's really my experience then and me getting connected to him. That, I, that's what I heard in, in what you're saying. Yeah. Some, my mom told me something that I didn't know on Monday. What do you mean you're... She, okay. This past Monday, she said something to me on the phone that I did not know. All right. She goes, Thanksgiving is next week. And I was like, no, it's not. Oh, no. <laughs> I thought we were... Oh, okay. Whew. Okay. It's, I was like, right. no, it's not. She was, like, <laughs> she was like, yes, it is. And I was like, oh, this one is did, the 19th? Did, did you just skip over the first half of November? It's Are you still just, like November 2nd in your mind? Yes, I Yesterday am. I was, feel like yeah. today's the third. Oh, man. That's wild. Are you guys cooking? Or what are you, uh... Uh, so Thanksgiving... You know, a Heiliger family tradition is pie night, which has been, been a really cool staple in our family. You know, we... On Thanksgiving? No, it's like the day or two before Thanksgiving. It started at least 20 years ago of... And it, it's, it's morphed a little bit. Oh, do you guys do sweet and savory? Did there you? have been times where there have been like 40 pies made oh in one gosh. night. My mom like used to crank out the dough and... We would just have friends and family in this huge party making all this pie filling. Yeah. And so now it looks a little bit different. Uh, the, the grandkids, it's just like it's pe- passed down to the grandkids where my mom and dad host the event just for the grandkids and they'll, you know, taken on a little bit of a different form. But it's, oh, okay. it's nice to know that pie night still exists, even though not in its previous form. And there's, there's some sadness around, around that, that we don't all get together like we used to, where it's everybody together and inviting people I don't know. And my dad's playing uh, with his jazz quartet in the living room and uh, there's flour everywhere and kids yeah. running around and uh, you're just baking pies with strangers because there's somebody else's friend. You know, it's not that anymore, um, which, yeah, it's, it's sad, but I'm really glad that it's not over, over. So, uh... And there's quite a few grandkids now. Right? So, actually, I'm really excited to announce I am an uncle again. Oh, congratulations. As of last night. Last uh, night, yeah, huh? last night. Her due date was Tuesday? It was... Or was it last week? It was la- at the end of last week, That's yeah. Right. And so they got to the point where they were like, we're going we're gonna to make this happen. So they induced her. And uh, my mom was out there for the whole weekend, and she had to leave that morning. So she missed it. No. She missed it by hours. It was really, like, I'm sure she was heartbroken. But her plane, like, she had to get on the plane and Is she go. going back? What's that? Is she going back? I don't I she'll, At some point, I don't know how, oh, how no. soon. 
But my sister, my other sister's out there um, in Wyoming with my sister Stacy. So Stacy turned 40 a couple of months ago, and this is her first kid and long awaited, and it is a joyful, happy, really special moment. Congratulations, so, Stacy. Yeah, as we were and sitting around, and Michael, yeah, Stacy and Michael, and their new baby girl, and the way me and Julie were sitting, like, do we know the name? Because they would, they, we weren't sure if we, we knew. Yeah. I bet it's going to be a nod to my grandmother who passed away a couple months ago. And my sister named her Jean after my dad's mom who passed away just a couple months ago. So Beautiful. it's really, really special. Jean uh, Louise Ann. So That's beautiful. Yep. Is, uh, is Stacy okay with you, like, just dropping her age like that? Yeah, I mean, well, I, I hope so. I mean, uh-huh. when... I'm, I'm fine with it, but... She's, she's done so much in 40 years, it's almost like she should be 60 with all the, like, cool stuff. She's my adventure hero. Like, oh. honestly, Stacy is the person, if you were to ask me who has the best stories of, like, life and unexpected adventures and people who like go out into the wilderness and do things that you would think only Rambo does. It's Dave (laughs) without the, without the M16. I don't know, man. One of the the funniest stories I've heard you tell is when you just fell into the position of officiating, was it a baby christening of a Nigerian family? Okay. What was that? So, so we get, (laughs) you know, we get to work at this wonderful multicultural church and, (laughs) which offers some interesting opportunities every now and then. And I, oh man, I found, I should, should have brought it, oh, because that would have been great to, to share. So I was looking through some old notebooks of mine for a certain note I'd written at some point, and uh-huh. I found the little card that they handed out at the house at this baby naming ceremony. And I wish I would have brought it because the names, they were like, this kid had 10 names because the names that the Nigerian family gives their, their child, they mean something really significant, each one. Oh. So it's common to have a minister officiate this baby naming ceremony. So uh, uh, ask went out to our church ministers, hey, is there anybody who's willing to go? And me and another minister were going to go together. Uh-huh. Well, last minute, he couldn't make it. Yeah. And... I was asking around, like, what do I need to know about a Nigerian baby naming ceremony? Well, I got little to no information from people, and I called the person who was uh, hosting the event for their family member, and I asked them, and I got little information, and I got there. There were probably 30 family members all crammed into the living room of the house. (laughs) Everybody was dressed in traditional Nigerian garb, and then me, I wore, like, button-down shirt, <laughs> some khakis, and they showed me to my seat at yeah. the front of the room. I was like, oh, that's nice, like a position of honor. I don't think, they really told me all you have to do is be there and yeah. pray, pray at some point. I okay. said, okay, cool. So they ha- handed out these little order of service cards, and then everybody got really quiet. The mother and father come down the stairs with their newborn baby, all, all dressed in tra- traditional Nigerian garb, and they sit down, and everybody's quiet, and they look at me. Yeah. And they just wait. They look at me, and they just wait. They don't, 
They, they come down the stairs with the baby and look at you? Yeah. And, and you're in the front of the room. And so I'm sitting there, and I really realize that I'm supposed to be running the show. They're waiting for me to <laughs> legitimately run the whole baby naming ceremony. Oh, my God. Thankfully, like, they had, they had the card, like, saying what I should do at each point. But it got to the one point where it said, lead worship songs. And I was like, oh, oh no, I hope goodness. they don't expect me to lead music. And so oh, I just say something like, um, the next part of the service will be some worship songs. And, I, and you have someone to lead that, I hope. <laughs> and they said, yes, we do. And so they came up and they led some Nigerian worship oh, songs. Gosh, that and be- so I got to stand in the front of the room. Uh-huh. While these traditional Nigerian worship songs were being sung by the whole family. And helped lead worship. There I was, clapping on one and three. (laughs) So, no, it was great. It was awesome. Oh, my gosh. That's the best, I love multicultural life. Better you than anyone else, man. I love multicultural life. I feel like like you just That family comes up to me all the time in the church and is like, Hey, how you doing, Mr. Hop? You know, Mr. Shave? Yeah, made some longtime friends there. Made some longtime friends. It was awesome. So, so, but you were talking about Thanksgiving. Yeah, was, I was yeah, wondering, yeah. what do you feel, how do you feel about the term Friendsgiving? I know that... Because uh, that's popular right now. Yeah. And Everybody's was, got a Friendsgiving. I think that um, there's a lot of hipster trends that take a minute before the mass population begins to, to catch on. And I think that that was a hipster thing happening uh-huh. because... Uh, this is like six, seven years ago. Yeah. My my friend in New York was like, hey, yeah. Because um, a lot of people in New York are from other places. Mm-hmm. And so he was telling me, uh, yeah, we got, we're doing Friendsgiving. We're having just friends come over. We're all making, it's a potluck. And I was like, oh, Friendsgiving, okay. And uh, yes, last year, we hosted our first Friendsgiving. Ooh. Uh, so we had Thanksgiving with yeah. the family. And then uh-huh. the week after, um, I had gotten a free turkey. From the church, they had some, they had a oh, ton yeah, left yeah. over, and they were like, "Dante, you want a turkey?" I was like, "Yeah, I want a turkey." Right. So I had this turkey. I was yeah. like, "Hey, let's do Friendsgiving. I'll make the turkey." That's cool. And uh, we had some friends come over, and it was uh, it was great. I it's know a lot of fun. I I am in full support of Friendsgiving, the concept of it. But the term Friendsgiving, I'm yeah. not. I'm I'm sure you remember that. Yeah, I am. I'm against. Words creating your own word by combining two other words. So in theory, the idea of having a Thanksgiving meal for you and your friends is wonderful. But Yeah, but you could say that quicker the, by just saying Friendsgiving. But who do you think you are that you're just creating <laughs> words? Friendsgiving? What does that even mean? So, um, Are you doing Friendsgiving? I already did one, oh. and I called it that. And so... <laughs> I, 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 there, there are a couple of times where you just can't, you can't fight it. And so you just got to go with it. Had a Friendsgiving. It's, it's, but it's something that like the mass, a lot more people are, are starting to do it now and use that term. And, uh, it's nothing you can do about it, Dave. Yeah. It's probably going to be an addition to Webster soon. <laughs> right. They're it's def- probably definitely an urban dictionary by now. Urban dictionary has way too many. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah things haven't they're come overloaded. about yet. But, uh, but Webster's, every year they, they add like a couple of words, right? Didn't they add frenemy a few years ago? They added Google as a, uh, um, as a verb to Google something. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. That's funny. But I wonder if it's just like a hot like, thing. They'll like keep it in for a year or something and then 
phase it out. They don't. They never talk about the words that they remove from the dictionary. Well, yeah, you know, it's funny. Like people used to use certain figures of speech and lingo and words a thousand years ago. Antiquate. They're done. Right? And it's done. And we, yeah. you know, we could very well. How do you think yeah. we'll be talking in four hundred years? I I don't know. Like you know how uh, it's hard to understand old old English. Yeah. If you think about it in the grand scope of, like, time, it wasn't that long ago. We're... Did you guys make chili for Friendsgiving? <laughs> no, we didn't make chili. Dude, that chili. So, uh, last week we talked about Julie's... Chi- I, almost, I almost said Julie's Julie, Julie's chili that she made. We put the recipe uh, on the website, yeah. DanteShepherd.com. Yeah. And you can see Reese's uh, costume. That was awesome on there. Yeah, yeah, that was a good night. I'm glad you guys came over. The chili recipe is from uh, Laura Fuentes. So how, Laura. Do you, how do you feel? Do you do much like cooking off of recipes you find online? Because there's something that bugs me that I'm to. not sure that have to. a lot of people would agree with me about. Julie will pull up these recipes and send them. But I like to get like to five me. or six different recipes and then maybe take a little from some. And, and so I, I just need something to go off of. Yeah, and I, I love the variety of, of options out there right now. But what's with the 14 pages of commentary about the recipe oh, before you well, get to the actual recipe? Because people have blogs and they drive traffic there. Dave, look, they got to make this money somehow. Look, I'm trying to execute the recipe that... yeah. yeah. And it takes a long time for the web page to load. Yeah, and you have to, like, sometimes the pictures load up a little bit slower, and then so it loses your place on the screen, so you got to re-scroll, let alone, like, if your screen goes dark and then you have to pull it back up. I'm just saying. Your your hands are dirty. I take screenshots of the recipe, though. I I try to do that. I see. No, that's a good idea. Yeah, it's an easy workaround. Glad we accomplished something right now. Although, that's going to be my new thing. I'm starting to go away from that, because when I worked as a prep cook, uh, last year, one of the things I learned is that there's a lot of just freedom that comes from not using a recipe. And I think that once you're at a certain level in your culinary expertise, things just become arbitrary and you just know. You're freestyling at that point. I'm at the point now where like I know what I know what you know, certain measurements feel like. I know what a, I know what a tablespoon of liquid is or sure. a, a teaspoon of, of salt. I, I, I know what that looks and feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I can, do, I can do the third, fourth cup, a cup. I can do the volume. And mm-hmm. I, I know what that looks and feels like. But in terms of, like, um, in terms of building or orchestrating a recipe... Not there yet. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into it. Part of and part of it is one one yes, I'll admit one factor is has a little bit of something to do with intimidation. Like you don't want to get fear it wrong. of failure, of course. But I think I think what's bigger than that though, and what's the second factor, is that there's already incredible, amazing recipes. You don't need to create a new recipe. It's sure. all it's we. For goodness sake, we live in 2017, and you can, you can talk about how we're all, as a, human, as, a, as a species, coddled, and we have all these advantages, but I think that 
uh, throughout history and time and invention and engineering, we're in a place now where we can take advantage of thousands of years of history and discovery. And it, it's a, we don't have to create a new chili recipe. But what, it's if, what if somebody had said that five years ago before the zucchini chili recipe was, was, was made? My, then life, my life would not be as rich, true, miss out. but I wouldn't know that. Yeah. But yeah, See, I mean, I, that's, that's all I think. I think that it's... You don't have to reinvent the wheel, so to now, speak. Now, I love there. being in the kitchen and, and cooking, but I like walking into the kitchen and it being like the, uh, the cooking shows where every, all, all the ingredients are already there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, you know, at, at the very best, the, the spices and herbs are already measured out and you can just mm. toss them in. And guess every now and then Julie does that. Like, she'll prep the meal like, and then I get to go in and just make it. Yeah, it's awesome. But Julia, she'll find the recipe. Yeah, she'll go to the store. She'll buy all the stuff. Mm-hmm. She'll prep a lot of times, and then I walk. Yeah. I walk through the door, and she says, "Hey, Dave, would you mind cooking dinner tonight?" It's like, yeah. And I'm like, "That's not cooking dinner. Like, that's me just crossing the finish line." It's like DIY Blue Apron. It's awesome. So I, I have a good. I have a good. Um, I think, the, but I think that there's something liberating about it too, though. It's freeing to have a recipe. You don't have to think, you know? Yes. It's, it's just kind of... Yep. You just, you already know that if you follow these steps, you're going to end up with something good. So, you, last, so uh, However, last night I made something on a whim and it came out really, really, really good. Okay. For the first time, um, for the first time ever, I made a hash. Um, like a corned beef hash? Like a no, like potato a, hash brown? Like a potato hash like entrees to breakfast kind of dish, but I made it for dinner. Ooh. So I like, we had these potatoes that were just kind of there. Mm-hmm. And I had like some, uh, I had some peppers that were in the fridge and mm-hmm. um, some garlic. So I had made fries out of the potato and like cut those up. Mm-hmm. How and thin? Then, I think the thinness of the like, fry determines if I'm going to like it or not. Yeah, well, I, at first I thought to do, like, shoestring. But then I thought, yeah, I want this to be a bit more rustic. Hmm. Okay. But even still, they were, like, maybe, like, four millimeters. Mm-hmm. Um, so chopped up that potato. Then I threw that in the cast iron with some oil. Got them nice and brown. And then when they were just about done, they were still a little raw. But just mm-hmm. when they were mostly done, I threw in a few cloves of chopped garlic. And then... Uh, Threw that around a bit, threw the peppers in there that I had sliced, and um, and then I um, I had boiled these sausages on the stove next to it. Nice. When those are done, took those out, chopped those up, threw those in there, right? And Sounds I good. put the oven on 450, mm-hmm. 425, and then uh, I took the cast iron off the heat, cracked a few eggs yes. on top, sprinkled some uh, cheddar. Ooh. Threw in the oven. Just ten, right in the skillet. Right in the cast iron. Threw Man, it right in the good. oven for like 10 minutes. You guys should be writing this down, by the way. Took that bad boy out, and it turned out really good. That's Dave, cool. I think that that, I like that, might, have been, that might have been that's the first time where I really just cooked from the heart. <laughs> that's, that's impressive. I'm not sure who was the first person to eat an egg, but I'm glad they did. I'm, I love I'm it. I'm really glad they did. Eggs are in so much. Yeah. And they're such an important food in my life. Yeah. It, in, I bet in so many different cultures, that's true. Like, that's one staple. Staple. Wherever you are in the world, yeah. you're eating eggs. It adds, it adds protein and, and 
sustenance yeah. to whatever you make. So yeah. it's so good. Yeah, I love it. So I wanted to tell you a couple of things that I realized this week um, that are, th- are things that are different for me this year than they were last year. And what brought this to mind is I got a haircut this week and I, I was rem- reminded of a time I got a haircut a couple of months ago and there was a guy sitting, sitting in the chair next to me. He sat down and he said, give me what I always get. And he started naming off numbers like when guys get haircuts, you say like a number four on the side and then, you know, inch and a half on the top or whatever, you know. And so <laughs> this guy started listing off his standard haircut and he said, same haircut I've got for the last 40 years. And I thought, he hasn't changed his haircut in the last 40 years? And so it made me think, like, since I was at the barbershop this week, I was thinking about that that happened a couple months ago. And I was like, man, am I changing or am I, like, just staying? Am I the same Dave Heiliger I was last year? Or is there anything about me that's really changing that's different? So I was thinking about that, and uh, a couple of things came to mind. Some of them are meaningless. Uh, so I just have three. Uh, there might be some more, but I'm, I'd be interested to hear if you have anything that you think is different for you this year than was true this about year last. than yeah. last so here, year. So here's thing number one. Last year, I would have said, wow, there's an app for everything on my phone. Like there was an excitement that when I would find a new app or a new game that was fun to play or something there was like a a spark to it like oh cool I'll you know waste time on this for a little bit or oh there's there's this new app I'd I'd be eager to to give it a try I'm in a very different place with my cell phone right now than I was last year in that I'm realizing how much time I waste on my phone so I hate that I waste so much time on my phone and I'm like trying my hardest to use my phone as little as possible, mm-hmm. and it's really, really difficult. So my relationship with technology this year, very different than last year. I downloaded this app on my phone. <laughs> it's like an app to help you not be on your phone. That, that's how they get really? you, right? Yeah. Well, it's called Quality Time. I have Android, so I have Quality Time. If you have I, the, the iPhone, the app for it is called Moment, and it records how much time you're on your phone. And at the end of the day, it sends you a report of how much time you spend on your phone and what the apps were that you use the most. And when I first got it, the numbers were astronomical, hours and hours on my phone every day. Mm-hmm. And how many times did I unlock my phone? Like that was a, a Ooh, crazy number a too. Because even if you just unlock it to like look at your phone really Do it quick, all the time. All the time. And a lot of times I'll unlock my phone not because of it buzzing like, or, or notifying me of something, I'm just looking at it out of pure habit. So yeah. I, I don't want to get too much into this because I feel like I could, we should really talk about this at some point. But if any of you listeners out there would be up for a challenge, please, please, please download one of those apps, either Moment or Quality Time, and start keeping track of how much you're using your phone, and I really need to hear from you. Like, am I, am I crazy in the amount of time that I'm on my phone every day? All right? So, and even more so, if you could predict how much time you think you're on your phone and compare it to how much time you really are on your phone. All right? Do you know offhand how much you're on your phone? Yeah. Like on average? Mm-hmm. So I'm about an hour and 
20 minutes a day. That's a little bit of time. That's nothing. That's me really trying not to be on my phone. If I can be under an hour in a day, that's like, I feel like I want to, you know, shout it, shout it from the rooftop. All right. But you're going to be surprised. You spend a lot of time on your phone. Okay. So that's one thing that's different from, for me. Uh, another thing is last year, I feel like last year I would get a pair of pants and a pair of pants and I would try them on in the store and be like, man, I don't know if I can buy these pants. I think they might be too tight. Like these pants are too, I think these pants are too tight. Mm -hmm. And now I'm wearing the same pants and I'm putting them on when I'm getting ready for work in the day or something. And I look in the mirror and I'm like, man, why are these pants so baggy? The pants that I thought were really tight before now are like the baggy pants. I'm like, why are they so wide at the ankle? Yeah. What's, what's going on with that? And I'm late to the game, right? So just so everybody knows, I'm late to the game in all fashion things. I'm still wearing a flannel shirt, and I never stopped from 1997. Anyway, so the, the tightness of pants for me, I feel like I'm, I'm saying too much already. All right, so... <laughs> And then number three. Okay, so this is a new thing in my life. Uh, I feel like a year ago, I would have said, I hate stretching before or after a workout. It just takes so much time. It's boring. So it boring. It hurts. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. I feel like it's not producing anything. And stretching, I, since I had zero flexibility, it was always demoralizing too. Yeah. It was a like, waste of time. I feel like we're at the age now, though, where we have to stretch. So this year, like flash forward a year later, and the other, the other day, Monday night, I was like, hey, Julie, is there a chance I can uh, get away for two hours and uh, go to that two-hour yoga, <laughs> that hour and 15-minute yoga class? <laughs> and I love, I love, I'm doing yoga, like, a lot, a lot. Really? Now. Yeah, yeah. And I, again, I don't want to talk about it too much because we could spend like a whole like uh, podcast just talking about my yoga addiction now. Whenever but, anyone talks about stretching, I got to poke fun at Matt, our, our friend Matt. We, we, Dave, Matt, and I all like helped to co-lead this mission trip oh to goodness. Mexico. And uh, we would do construction in the morning and stuff. And every morning, every morning, Matt would be out stretching yeah. for like a half hour. Hey, getting those uh those quads <laughs> he, stretched out. Yeah. Um, in his defense, he was in like like a sports trainer yeah. role for a while, so mm -hmm. he gets he gets it more than he's more all, than we he's ever all did. laid out on the floor. By the end of the week, he's got students involved now, like yeah. they're stretching it out too. Well, I have a feeling that every uh, day stretching it out. And so the way the trip was set up on our on our last day before we went back home, we had an off day where we would just kind of relax and go to the beach or something. And uh, there we are at the beach. And there's a volleyball net, and we grab some of the students. Hey, guys, let's go play some volleyball. A couple minutes in, Matt goes, to, uh, Matt goes to make a dig and pulls his hammy. <laughs> <laughs> the one guy. The one guy. You know what I heard? Honestly, you know what I heard? Oh, it was, heard, it was it, it, like, in that moment, I wanted to laugh because of the irony. Yeah. But, like, he pulled a muscle. I hear you. If you're the type so of person awesome. who doesn't stretch before working out, and you get like inspired and one day you do stretch, you're more likely to get hurt while working out that day. 
Or the opposite is true. So if you're the type of person that mm. does stretch all the wow. time so you, and you have yeah. one time where you don't stretch, you're more likely to get injured. Whoa. So, so I guess you got to like slow, you gotta slowly stay, incorporate yeah, you it. You got to stay in your, in your own zone. Wow. But uh, so makes sense. Monday nights, I've been going to uh, a yoga class that's an hour and 15 minutes long. And I'm like flying high. It's really? awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a lot to say about yoga this year that I didn't have to say yes last year. So I feel like, so it was really good for me to think about what's different about me this year than was true about me last year. Yeah. I really want to, I want to do yoga and want to like it, but I, I just, I just resent it because when I was in, um, when I was in acting school, we had to, we had to take these yoga, yoga classes as part of our requirement. Uh So it became something like. Force. became a forced yeah. task that we had to do and so I just resented it and it was mm-hmm. painful and we'd have to go early in the morning before class and like yeah. do a certain amount of month I can see how that would be really frustrating but, but I wanna, at yeah, this I point wanna, I think you'd have a completely to, different experience I need to get, I need to grow so, up I need to get over it yeah, my, uh, my intro to yoga was some YouTube videos and you guys can check them out and you know it would be really cool Okay. Okay. Uh, these yoga videos, uh, yoga with Adrian. Okay. Yoga with Adrian. She's out of Austin, Texas. And she has a, she has a YouTube yoga channel, hundreds of videos. And they're like between, between 15 and 45 minutes. So you can pick the ones that are the right length. True. And she has different series, like 30 days, of yoga or like yoga camp or all these different series that you can like get into a little bit of a rhythm Mm -hmm. and it's great. So I was doing YouTube yoga. You just throw it on on a computer. Throw it on the the TV. TV, Yeah. Beginning of your day, end of your day and just do it before you watch TV. You don't have to replace your evening TV watching with yoga. You just do a quick, do a quick uh, little routine and then get right into it. So I did that for months and months and months before I ever walked into a yoga studio. And you feel like you were like, oh, I'm so glad that I did because then I didn't make make a fool out of myself. Yeah. Well, I'm still making a fool out of myself. True. But less of a fool. Yeah. So, so yoga, I, again, we should do like, we should do a whole segment on, on that because I I have a lot to say. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm preaching on Sunday the 26th, November the 26th. Not sure if any of you guys uh, would be up for watching, but I'm sure this is going to be the last time you hear from me before then. Before then, yeah. So if you're listening and you want to tune in, you could look it up online and watch, right? BCCTV.org or the Facebook page. Facebook page, yeah. Bridgeway Community Church's Facebook page. They'll, they'll have it live streamed there. And, and I'll try to share it on my, yeah. on my Facebook on the day of, right? Yeah. And then, um, or you could just show up. Bridgeway Community Church out in Columbia, Maryland. Hey, maybe we'll put one of your sermons as one of the, one of the podcast episodes. Oh, that'd be cool. You could totally do that. Nice. Yeah, you definitely load it up. That'd be really that cool. Yeah, I like uh-huh. that. Cool. I'm looking forward to that. That doesn't get to happen often. Me too. Yeah. I, I want it to happen more. I think it should. Well, it'll be, 
it'll be neat. I have some cool thoughts to share. I was working on it today and getting excited about it, thinking about the different stories I'm going to get to tell. So one thing Dante tells me as I'm like getting ready to speak, he's like, tell more stories, tell more stories, tell more (laughs) stories. So I'm really trying to listen to you on that one, man, and like make sure it's packed, Yeah, packed full of stories. That question about like what's different from you this year than last year is hard to answer on the fly. Yeah. Like it, I can't, I'm having a hard time trying to draw specifics, but what I've been doing this year that I know has been, has been new is becoming more honest with myself is what I'm, what I've been doing a lot this year. Um, and that has an effect on what I say and certain decisions I make and then how I respond to certain situations or certain people, given whatever the circumstances. It's like out of that place of honesty with myself, then can I then go about making choices and saying and doing things that, uh, that more, that purely, that more represent who I actually am. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm making a decision based, if I'm making a decision from a place of, of dishonesty or, or if I'm trying to avoid something or deflect or project or anything, uh, then that's going to obviously dictate what, what eventually comes out of my mouth. But if, I'm, if I start off with being honest with myself and however I'm internalizing or responding to any given situation, if I'm honest with myself first, then that will give a more accurate depiction of what I actually feel about people and about things. Hmm. So I don't know. I've been doing that a lot this year, trying to do that. So to say um, when it comes down to uh, my time, when someone asks me either to do something um, professionally or for fun or whatever, um, I think that a lot of times what I'm learning to do is say, do I really want to do this? And if that answer is no, whereas in the past it would be like, oh, but they asked and it's hard for me to say no, yeah. so I'm going to do it and then dread the whole thing from, mm-hmm. from beginning to end and be miserable through it. Uh, trying to avoid that. So I say, do I really want to do this? And if the answer is no, not feeling like I owe anything to anyone to put me in a position to say yes when I really don't want to because mm-hmm. life is short. I have a hard time saying no. Like, that's, it's hard to say it's no. It's really hard to it say no. It is hard no, to say no. Especially if you care about the person. Yeah, but I think, that, I think that the more that we begin to teach ourselves to say no, it becomes more habitual and that gives us that gives us the, the confidence and the, uh, and, 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 the, and the, you know, just the confidence to, you know, to, to communicate what we really feel. And yeah. I, that translates to other areas, too. Yeah, that's a, that's a big deal. Like, that's a big thing to change and to see, see change. Because that's not just one change. That kind of changes everything. Yeah. Because also, when... Uh, when I find when I'm more honest with myself, of course, 
then I am more honest with others. So if someone's asking my opinion on something or, um, you know, whatever the situation is, uh, I know that I can even start from a place, it can even, in some instances, go back and forth where I can be honest with myself and then dishonest with the person, so then I'm dishonest with myself. Mm -hmm. uh, trying to establish that pattern to say, I'm honest with myself, I don't like that or I don't want to do that. So then that would hopefully force me to then be honest with them because um, if I'm honest with myself, I have to be honest with them to say, hey, I'm not, I'm not really feeling that. Or, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think it's great. That sounds like fun, but I just, I just, yeah. I just don't have time. Well, and then it, it gives your words more weight that if Dante wants to be there, then he really wants to be there. You know, yeah. that if you're, if you say, man, I do like that song that somebody, you know, made, created, or put together, right? Mm -hmm. Then you really do like that song, right? Yeah, Rather than just thinking they're giving lip service. Right, yeah, and it, yeah, exactly. Awesome. It establishes that pattern, and it makes me more, it makes me more content with just my everyday interactions to do that. And, there, and I mean, there's there times where I'm like, there's times where I'm like, I really wish I could go. I really right. want to do it. I just can't. Yeah. And there are people that I know if I go to them, I'll get a critical, really honest answer. And there are people that I know that if I go to them, I'll be encouraged. <laughs> no matter what. That was great, Dave. Keep going, right? So even with people like asking about the podcast, like I want to find those people that'll like give us a real good picture of, okay, here are the things that are going really well with this thing. And here are things that, uh, you guys kind of, uh, you know, so. But to be fair, and if you're picking up social cues, you know, when someone, you know, you know, whether someone's feeling it or not. I, I choose, I choose to believe the best all the time. <laughs> I choose to believe <laughs> the easiest, most, uh, like non-critical thing. Ever, just to make myself feel better about myself. But hey, man, a message to the kids, man. If you're doing something and somebody ain't feeling it, someone doesn't like it, don't let that get you down. <laughs> just go about your business. Do yeah. your thing. Yeah. All right, Davo. Well, good times. This has been great. Uh, Thanksgiving is next week. I'm excited for the food. Yes. I've decided I'm not going to overeat. Oh, I'm not, decided just I'm not going do to it. overeat. Because I can eat food. I eat food every day. Nope. So what makes Thanksgiving any different? You should overeat every time. I'm probably time. just going to, you know, kick it and uh, have a plate and then maybe pack some leftovers and call it a day. I think you will overeat and come back and say that your plan fell through. You should do it. We'll see. But you know what? If you're right, I'm going to have no regrets. No regrets. Not with that one. No regrets. All right, Dave. Well, we'll see you. Take care.